Welcome, everyone. My name is Kathy Tazek, and I'm Managing Director of Client Services for Sedgwick. I'm joined today by Max Kuntz, who's our Chief Claims Officer, and we're going to be talking today about the most recent Florida tort reform uh, that came across in March 24th of 2023. Max, welcome. Thank you, Kathy. So um, Governor DeSantis signed HB 837 into law back on March 24th, which marked the most significant tort reform that we've seen in the state of Florida's recent history. Um, this obviously came amidst growing concerns around the cost of litigation for business and some of the most burgeoning verdicts and costs in the nation when it came to litigation. Um, some of the key provisions include the uh, changing the standard of negligence, the statute of limitations, the lodestar fee presumption, and then additionally changes to bad faith, um, which are the key highlights of the changes to the law. This obviously sent our industry um, across the board and, and also both uh, defense and plaintiff bar into a frenzy of figuring out what this means for everyone. So um, as in all legislative changes at Sedgwick, we're actively working to make sure that our clients understand and can prepare for the impact of this legislation, both short and long term. So Max and I today are going to talk about uh, what's contained in the legislation, what we know so far, and we know these things evolve as well, and what we expect to see as a result. So Max, thanks a lot for joining today to help unravel this for all of our listeners. Um, so first, let's talk about the reason this was necessary. And this was highly publicized if you, if you look on any of the media. Can you give your perspective on the landscape in Florida that led to this change? Well, probably the biggest thing you can say about Florida from the standpoint of liability and auto litigation is that it's one of the most difficult states in the country. And um, the Chamber, the National Chamber of Commerce publishes a report every year called Judicial Hellholes. And basically that's formed around which states have the largest verdicts, the highest cost, the most difficult um, tort laws within the country. And Florida is one of those, and it has been for several years. When you just look at our data from the standpoint of what we see in claims and litigation in the space, Florida is number two in the volume of claims, only behind California. But probably more importantly, when you look at the average paid for auto bodily injury claims and lawsuits and general liability bodily injury claims and lawsuits, Florida is actually nearly two times the national average. So there's a tremendous variance between what you pay out in Florida in comparison to just the national average across the board. Also, when you look at just on the high value or the high value claims, Florida's in the top four in those states. So Florida's law is very liberal. It's very generous. It's uh, very plaintiff-oriented. And that all changed when Governor DeSantis signed House Bill or this recent tort reform into law. Great. Thanks a lot, Max. And um, that's a really good explanation. I know there's been a lot publicized about that and really appreciate the perspective, particularly on um, how much more expensive Florida has been than the national average for quite some time. It's really good for our listeners to have that. 
So one of the critical pieces of the legislation is the change to the standard of negligence. So we're moving in Florida from pure to comparative negligence, which really does align Florida with the majority of other states in the United States. So Max, can you share a bit more about what this means and what we expect we'll see as a result of this specific part of the change, both in terms of the numbers of lawsuits and potential for settlements for claims that aren't litigated? Well, obviously, and I think just because you're changing the initial standard upon which you turn liability, determine liability, this is the most significant piece of the legislation. Although other pieces are very significant, but I would say this is the most critical aspect because it changes that initial standard upon which you're looking at liability. So in the past, a plaintiff could recover even if they had negligence on their part. If a trier of fact determined that they were some portion of the fault lied with them, then they could still recover damages from the defendant or defendants. In the current for in the new law, then you have a standard that says if the plaintiff or the injured party is more than fifty percent at fault as far as the accident, then they cannot recover anything. And that in and of itself dramatically changed the liability landscape in the state of Florida. Now, what that means for everyone is the fact that you're, you, you will see less losses because you will have less claims that will come in for which you could be liable. And when that negligence standard changed and you look at that 50% uh, benchmark or standard that must be met uh, that must be met for the defendant to have liability so we're going to see number one we'll see fewer losses number two we will see most likely fewer claims coming in because it the liability standard will clearly not be met and therefore the defendant will not be liable the other things that i think you're going to see aside from that is just in your attorney fees and medical costs that are associated with the claims. And those are some of the other aspects of the law that were also impacted uh, from that standpoint. And then lastly would be the statute of limitations has changed as well. And so from that standpoint, you've got the negligence standard, you've got how you look at medical expenses, how you look at attorney's fees, and how you look at the statute of limitations. And all of those things combined will have an overall impact on your cost and the value of those lawsuits within Florida. Great. Thanks a lot, Max. One of the things I was really excited about talking to you about today is the new standard about medical evidence. Plaintiffs in Florida were previously allowed to use the full amount billed in their request for damages. So can we talk a little bit about what's changed there and what impact you expect that to have on litigation? But I, on, from the the most obvious impact from this is going to be the cost themselves. So if you are if the plaintiff is able to establish the standard under the new uh, definition of what liability looks like as far as um, negligence, if they meet that level, then they're obviously going to be compensated for the medical expenses and lost wages and things like that that are associated with that. In the past. Those medical expenses would be the amount that was simply billed. And there was some question as to 
how legitimate that build amount was in the past because of some of the things that were done in the Florida litigation landscape. Under the new law, when you look at the medical expenses, it's going to be what they call whiteboarded or what's going to be shown to the jury and they're deciding the case or the trial of fact is the actual amount paid for those medical expenses. So if they had health insurance coverage, it will be the amount that their health insurance actually paid for those medical expenses, not the amount billed. If they don't have health care coverage, then there is a multiplier above the Medicare rate. So they're looking at the national standard of what insurance would cover for those medical expenses, and that is the amount that will be shown to the trier of fact when they're looking at the level of damages. And this amount could be extreme because when you looked at just think about what we see in our space with with um, workers' compensation. And we're based on Medicare and many states with a fee schedule. And that fee schedule and the difference between the, what is paid under the fee schedule and what is billed is sometimes a reduction of half and sometimes even greater. So you can see that the impact of that will be fairly significant in the amount of exposure a company has, the company has, or a defendant has, for the medical expenses related to a claim for which they're liable. Great, thanks a lot, Max. Uh, there's been a lot written about the plaintiff bar's concern and the Lodestar fee change. This is an interesting part of the legislation. And can you break that down for our audience? So, what does this mean, and how will it change the motivation and actions of attorneys across the state of Florida? Uh, low star fees are something that is really peculiar, for lack of a better way to put it, in the state of Florida. And it was the way that they were able to go above what I would say would be a reasonable number of hours and a reasonable rate. So, in the past, the courts were able to consider basically a contingency fee multiplier. And what they looked at were several aspects, whether or not um, the plaintiff or the injured party had trouble getting counsel, competent counsel for their to the, to try, uh, pursue the case for them, whether the attorney mitigated the risk of non-payment, whether or not the fee arrangement between the attorney and the client, whether or not it actually covered the expenses as far as the time that the attorney had to spend on the case, the results that were obtained as to whether or not they won, and if so, did they win, uh, to what extent did they win, and the type of, um, the way the defendant behaved in the action, so from that standpoint, did they make it really difficult, different things like that. But there were a myriad of factors that the court looked at, and when they looked at those factors, they and they could determine that the plaintiff's attorney deserved a basically a multiplier on top of what would have been reasonable a reasonable rate for a reasonable number of hours. And this was seen more often than not in the state of Florida. So it wasn't the exception. It tended to be more the rule than it was the exception. The new law says that there's going to be a strong presumption for the trier fact to look at or make a determination on that a reasonable rate for a reasonable number of hours is what the fee should be based off of. 
and there should be no lodestar or multiplier attached to that. Now, what that means is that from a standpoint of attorney's fees paid out in these cases, they're going to be lower. You're not going to see the extreme numbers. And I recall some cases where the attorney's fees would have been more than the award to the plaintiff in the particular lawsuit. You will not see that going forward. What you're going to see is just something that's more in line with what you see in other states as far as being a reasonably hourly rate multiplied by a reasonable number of hours for which it took to manage the lawsuit on behalf of the injured party or the plaintiff. Thanks, Max. That's a great explanation. Thanks for making that super clear for everybody. Just a couple more questions. Um, The other key factor in the legislation um, was law, uh, bad faith lawsuits. So Florida previously had a propensity for bad faith lawsuits in addition to ones based on negligence. And um, HB 837 changes this, and most people aren't maybe familiar with the impact. So could you expand on why this is important um, for business, insurers, and of the like around the state? Probably it's two components to this. And the, one of the biggest changes was that bad faith can apply to everyone involved in the lawsuit now. And in the past, it was focused on the insured or the defendant. And at this point, the law makes very clear that the insured, the claimant, the defendant, and or the claimant and or the representative have a duty to act in good faith to provide information in making demands and setting deadlines and attempting to settle the claim. So first and foremost, the standard applies to everybody. So there's a across-the-board expectation for everyone to act in good faith with regard to the litigation itself. What it does on from a second aspect is that it says that merely acting in a negligent manner, so where you're just maybe um, not as on time with certain things, where things just kind of slip through the cracks, where there's no intent to actually act in bad faith, that those were things those would be ways to define negligence in this type of situation. And when those occur, they're not enough to establish bad faith. You have to have something more than that to establish bad faith. So if you make a mistake, that's one thing. If you act intentional, that's another thing. And that's a fairly significant difference because people do make mistakes. Things get delayed, responses aren't necessarily made on time, people are out, they're on vacation, they're sick, whatever it might be, but there's circumstances where things may not get done in a manner that is not, it's just an accident. It's not an intentional act to create an atmosphere where there's not good faith and fair dealing within the process. So those are the two biggest things from the standpoint of this. And I think what you're going to see is that initially they still may try to make the allegation, but I think if the courts interpret the law as it clearly states, you're going to see those actions diminish tremendously with regard to litigation in Florida. 
Great. Thanks a lot. And our final question, um, as you know, we've been talking to a lot of our Sedgwick customers about this change because it is a major change, and we're doing things internally, like training our desk-level colleagues to be prepared for what the law now says. Um, but our customers are really interested in what they should expect to see, both short and long-term, and we know these things take some time. Um, we've heard that a significant amount of lawsuits were filed in anticipation of the legislation, and we've obviously seen a flurry of activity post-signing of the legislation as well. So can you comment briefly on what we're seeing, and then what's our best advice um, short-term for anybody who's just being looking to be prepared for the impacts of the legislation? Well, as you noted, Kathy, there were tens of thousands of lawsuits that were filed immediately to the governor signing this um, House bill into law, making it effective, and that occurred on March 24th. And what the plaintiff's bar did, and I can completely understand why they would do this, is they wanted to get as many of their lawsuits under the old law as they could. So they filed them all before March 24th. What they didn't do is they didn't necessarily serve those on all of the defendants because I believe under Florida law you have 120 days to actually serve the lawsuit once it's filed. So what's going to happen first and foremost is we will see a significant increase in lawsuits in the next three to four months than we saw last year for the same period of time. There's going to be a compression. There's going to be a compression of lawsuits These lawsuits may have been filed over the next three, four years because, remember, the statute of limitations changed from a two-year statute to a four-year statute and then all the other things that changed from a standpoint of negligence and everything else. So what would have been filed over a much longer period of time because of the statute of limitations has now been compressed into a very short period of time, hence all the lawsuits that were filed. So that's the first thing that we're going to see. Compression of the lawsuits, which in turn, because you've got this compression of lawsuits, you're going to see an increase just straight out of your defense attorney's fees over the course of this year. And that's something that companies need to understand. And then the the third thing that you're going to see is a compression of payouts over the course of the year, this year. And I think those are all things that when a company's looking at their risk management program and meeting with their actuaries, either Later this year or next year, they're obviously going to see this compression, but we need to make sure that the conversations are occurring as to why this happened and that this isn't a trend. It is truly an anomaly within the numbers from that standpoint. And so those are the three aspects that you're going to see most immediately. And I can tell you from our data, we looked at, we've been tracking this information and looking at the weeks before the governor signed the legislation and up into the end of last week, and we've nearly seen a 200% increase in the volume of lawsuits for basically the last six-week period. And that's pretty significant. Granted, we're not talking about thousands of lawsuits, but we are talking the difference between several hundred and now several more hundred above that. And those are things that companies need to realize that that's going to continue probably for the next two or three months and that it will be something 
that we'll just all have to work to, through together and make sure from an actuarial standpoint that they understand this is not a trend. This is truly an anomaly that will actually help us beyond that period of time lowering the total costs that are spent in Florida in the standpoint of tort litigation. Great. Thanks a lot, Max. That is super helpful. Um, thanks for spending the time today. I know that we've been spending as a team a lot of time thinking through these long-term impacts. And certainly with all the wisdom and the numbers that you've given us, we're in a position to help the best we can. So thank you very much for your time today. And we hope that everyone listening has gained some new appreciation for what these changes really mean. And I appreciate it so much, Max. Have a great rest of your day. And thanks, everyone, for joining. Thank you, Kathy.